Greetings, 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 everybody out there in uh, podcast land, and welcome to episode four of Gary Talks 2. I am Gary, and I'm going to talk to you for a little bit here. Today we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to continue talking about how the slave codes uh, morphed into uh, something much more insidious and uh, undercover as well as uh, the way that uh, enslaved communities communicated amongst themselves and also the way that uh, black Americans attempted to communicate um, with their governments with appeals and petitions asking for simple decency and their rights. And we'll see uh, how they were frustrated at that at every turn. So don't go away. Okay, we're back. As we've discussed before, slave codes, black codes, all of these uh, terrible things were passed across the U.S. South. But one of their main reasons, besides just intimidation and fear and control, was... uh, to uh, make sure that nobody learned to read and write or communicate effectively. Because even back then, people understood the power of accurate communication, fast communication. And if you can't read and you can't write, the, uh, the owners, the slavers thought, then you couldn't communicate very well. They couldn't have been more wrong. Another um, concept behind the laws was to uh, regulate social interactions of any kind through a system of intense surveillance and policing. Laws passed in Alabama in the aftermath of Nat Turner's 1831 insurrection prohibited male slaves from assembling in groups of five or more and required all slaves obtain written permission before meeting with free blacks. Such Restrictions really truly demonstrated slaveholders' common association of slave communication with resistance and potential rebellion. I wonder where they got that idea from. Jeez. Hmm. Here's a funny story. It's from a a volume in the Library of Congress. And this uh, older woman was being uh, uh, interviewed about her early life as an enslaved child. Her name is Anna Baker. Anna Baker, an African woman who spent her childhood as a slave in Monroe County, Mississippi, testified to her role in such activities. Quote, Master would tell me, Lucanna, if you keep your ears open and tell me what the darkies talk about, there'll be something good in it for you. End quote. But all the time I must have had a right smart mind because I'd play around the white folks and hear what they'd say, and then I'd go tell the black folks. So that's one level of communication right there. So um, There were a lot of runaways also who never went very far. They didn't want to. They didn't want to go to Canada. They wanted to stay close by family and friends, known associates and things, and they, they just wanted to live a free life. And they banded together sometimes in, in groups, and they were generally known as borderland maroons. And they create tight networks of communication from plantation to plantation 
any information, especially information like the amount of reward for capture and punishment, traveled quickly through this grapevine of the borderland maroons. Based on this intelligence, many would make plans around either traveling away completely or staying around longer to gather others. Even at the Constitutional Convention, delegates from Georgia were overheard to say that this uh, type of communication was extremely effective as much as they tried to shut it down and that news could sometimes go 100 miles in a week. And this is in the uh, late 1700s. So that's really quite something. Another method of uh, communication among individuals and groups were, uh, I'm sure most of you have probably heard this before, but we'll dig into it a little bit. And it's the, uh, the original gospel songs that were used to, uh, to warn, to teach, to caution, to encourage. The meanings were sometimes a little more complicated than, uh, than people thought when they listened to them. Uh, in the book Journey, uh, I believe in volume one, yeah, I mentioned this very fact and what the story is behind Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, which was strictly about Swing Low was for the uh, abolitionist or the Underground Railroad to swoop in and pluck these people from their enslavement and carry them home to freedom. Home was freedom. Freedom was home. And that's what that, uh, that song was really all about. And the tradition of verbal history and storytelling remained very strong among the enslaved and acted as a way to uh, really just hide in plain sight. Harriet Tubman, uh, said that she changed the tempo of the songs to indicate whether it was safe to come out or not. Nat Turner uh, of the failed rebellion in 1831 used the song Steal Away to tell people to get ready. Wade in the Water, we've all heard that song. It's been redone so many times, but it was first written down in 1905, but dates back to the days of enslavement. Harriet Tubman used it to get people off the trails into the water to keep the dogs from their scent. The song is a warning of the end, but also notice that God will triumph. So these songs during the time of American slavery were used as warnings, as ways to teach new generations, and as ways to heal and keep spirits afloat during centuries when blacks were treated as subhuman. In this way, Music was one of the few modes of salvation, and wade in the water and swing low were essential to that. Another method of uh, communicating that was used extensively were the use of quilts. Making quilts was an African tradition that had specific meanings. In Africa, they were used to record history and were passed down from generation to generation. In the South, the quilts would be hung over fences so that all the slaves on the plantation could see them, as well as any other slaves who passed by. 
each pattern represented a specific meaning, a very clear meaning to warn, to educate, to let the people know. So if you remember way back when in the presentation there, I said I was also going to mention things about uh, petitions and memorials and things. And so that's what I'm going to do. These uh, views and arguments that they put forward were usually just disregarded, even in the so-called friendly states. There are records of these petitions and memorials, they were called, dating back to the late 1700s. In 1788, both Connecticut and Massachusetts governments were petitioned in Massachusetts to repeal slavery laws after three free men were kidnapped and sold south. Denied. The Connecticut petition was used to describe the harsh treatment of enslaved people and to seek redress for them. Denied. 1791, a large group of, quote, free men of color, end quote, petition for repeal of the Negro Act in South Carolina uh, that was used to restrict their movements and just their basic rights as free Americans. Denied. 1797, four men petitioned the U.S. Congress seeking federal protection for, quote, all freed slaves from protection of state laws allowing capture and re-enslavement. Denied without even a, getting a hearing. One of the lesser known documents from this uh, genre, I guess, because it was considerably later, is the uh, so-called Pittsburgh Memorial of 1837. Uh, this important but uh, somewhat forgotten document uh, we covered here a little bit. It was presented at the state's constitutional convention in 1837. It was drafted, and it was from a group of prominent, well-known free black men supported by several prominent white businessmen. Its purpose was, quote, to indicate their value as Pennsylvania citizens, that blacks act just as responsibly as whites and therefore should be given the right to vote, end quote. Now, the law said at that time that they could vote even though uh, they were sometimes physically restrained from doing so, threatened with violence or harm if they tried to, but it was still the law that they, they could. After this, uh, they changed the law. So it conformed with the people's wishes and uh, took away the vote. While it did get a short hearing, it was not entered into the record and was completely ignored. And all this after uh, some loudmouth uh, a uh, early version of a MAGA Nazi, uh, started a ruckus in Bucks County, which up until then had been one of the uh, safer enclaves for the black population. There were actually black uh, professional people there and schools and all kinds of things. But this guy got a bug up his butt one day and decided he didn't like that. So he started uh, handing in these petitions with claims that uh, blacks were coming from other communities outside of Bucks County and voting multiple times. Now, he never offered any proof. Again, an early version of a Trump MAGA Nazi just shot off his mouth and, and made enough noise 
to where uh, finally at the Constitutional Convention, even against this Pittsburgh Memorial, uh, blacks lost their rights. Sort of like the way women do these days. But. And then there's the, uh, the very famous Walker's Appeal that was published in 1829. It was published as an open appeal to all Americans, which was widely circulated in the slave states, much to their chagrin, I, I assure you. I want to uh, quote just a little bit here, so bear with me. The languages uh, of the time, and Mr. Uh, Mr. Walker was a very religious man, so. Okay, this is all a quote now. My beloved brethren, uh, let me back up just a second. This is just a very small part <laughs> of this, uh, this document, which consists of four different articles. And this is just one paragraph from one of them. So I'll start again. Quote, my beloved brethren, the Indians of North and of South America, the Greeks, the Irish, subjected under the king of Great Britain, the Jews, that ancient people of the Lord, the inhabitants of the islands of the sea, and fine, all the inhabitants of the earth, except, however, the sons of Africa. Everyone else, they are called men, and of course, are and ought to be free. But we, the colored people, and our children are brutes, and of course are and ought to be slaves to the American people and their children forever, to dig their mines and work their farms, and thus go on enriching them from one generation to another with our blood and our tears." End quote. This appeal truly did shock the conscience of the country and uh, earned uh, Mr. Walker the uh, deep enmity and undying hatred of most of the people in the South. And uh, as a consequence of that, he was murdered on his own property the next year. Okay, ranting and raving fans, it's now time for the political rant portion of today's uh, fun activities. And I know, I know, Trump is just too easy a target, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty lazy today. I had surgery a couple days ago, and I'm having more tomorrow, so bear with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the low-hanging fruit this time. What he has wrought in this country is sometimes really hard to see. <clears throat> Excuse me. Book burnings, school curriculums voter restrictions, but his uh, recent TV outbursts have been both revealing, and uh, to me, I thought they were very funny, really. I mean, have you ever seen a more frightened man than Dirty Donnie was talking to, uh, I think it's Brett Bear on, on Fox, where they worship him, or uh, used to anyway. Eh, no loyalty in those foxy people, I guess. So some people have been speculating on the uh, on cable news that uh, now that he has all the evidence against him, now that that's been turned over in the, in the proper discovery uh, process, what, uh, what his lawyers might recommend like a plea deal. Now uh, I think we all recognize that Trump is way too stupid to, uh, to try to take a plea deal. So uh, just uh, use your imagination. 
what would you put in a plea deal for uh, Dirty Donnie? And, uh, or should he even be allowed to deal if he begged? Uh, why don't you drop me a line at uh, the podcast at gvbrights.com and, uh, and let me know what your ideas would be on that. I'd be very uh, interested to hear what some people say out there. I know my audience is way above average intelligence, so it'd be fun to, to see what real smart people think. <clears throat> Another uh, aspect of our political uh, taking over here is is the concept of gerrymandering. Now, I know both parties throughout history have been guilty of, uh, of using this uh, to advance their agendas. Uh, the only thing I can say in defense of... Uh, the Democrats doing it is their agenda is uh, good for America. The uh, MAGA Nazi agenda is not good for America. So, but there is a better way. Uh, a group called indivisible.org is supporting both uh, Senate one and HR two. It's called for the people act and it's legislation against gerrymandering. Now, here's something I didn't know. Uh, 35 states uh, use political machinations or parties or motives to redraw their their uh, district lines every 10 years. That means 15 don't. So that's some progress. And they use a, a nonpartisan committee to do the redistricting. And then that way everybody gets a, a fair shake. Everybody gets represented. Basically, these laws would take redistricting out of the hands of state legislatures and assure that representation of marginalized communities, which I guess is why the mega Nazis hate it so much. Remember their motto, if you can't win by playing by the rules, just change the damn rules. On that point, you know, minority rule is an anathema to democracy. It is the very opposite of the democratic process and philosophy. Democracy simply ceases to exist under minority rule. No other outcome is possible. Say that again. Democracy ceases to exist under minority rule. No other outcome is possible. So before I close uh, for today, I just wanted to tell all the boys and girls and everybody in between out there in uh, podcast land that uh, yesterday I did a an interview for a nationally syndicated radio show called uh, the Mystery Radio Hour. And uh, I hadn't really heard too much about that before I got the invitation, so I, I did a little digging into it. I was amazed. They... Um, they have some of the most famous people and some of the most famous writers working today on the uh, on their site and in their interviews and things. And I, I had to kind of ask them, "You sure you want me?" <laughs> so, but they said yes, yes. They uh, they wanted to talk about the way uh, that history keeps repeating itself, and it's is kind of the point of my books and my podcast here. So. That was kind of nice that somebody sees what I'm doing and wanted me to speak it to a louder audience. 
So it will be available uh, to stream after June 28th when it will air live uh, in Los Angeles and Palm Springs and other West Coast markets. And after the 28th, it will be available uh, to stream. So I hope you'll uh, check it out. I'll tell you more about it next next episode. But uh, in the meantime, you might keep that in mind. There's a lot of good, good, good books on that site, a lot of very interesting people. So you should definitely check it out. Man's name is Alan Warren, and uh, he does a hell of a job. He's got a great site. So thanks again for joining me here. I, I really do like to hear from you all out there in podcast land. So when you can, just drop me a line, okay? Just uh, you can go to the website, www.gvbrights.com. Uh, you've got two different emails. Uh, I mentioned one. One is the podcast at gvbrights.com. The other is Gary at gvbrights.com. Until I'm really original with the names here. And on the uh, social media side, I'm on uh, Facebook at Gary Loves to Write and uh, Twitter and Instagram at Reader Reclusive. So use any of those uh, methods to drop me a line. If you'd like to be on the show or be have a recorded interview played on the show, uh, just let me know and we'll make that happen. If you want your email read, uh, just let me know and uh, we'll get you in a discussion that way. So, so I hope uh, the rest of your day is good. It's raining like crazy here in North Carolina. It has been for almost a week, so starting to float. Okay, everybody, take care, and I'll see you in about a week and a half. <laughs>